When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And joining me for this episode is Playlist Editor-in-Chief, Rodrigo Perez. Rodrigo, are you ready to put Phase 4 of the MCU behind us, finally? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we're going to do that. Well, I guess technically Guardian. I hate Guardians Holiday Special being the end of Phase 4. Uh, this should be the end of Phase 4, where we talk this about... basically the end of Phase yeah, 4. yeah. Uh, this is, uh, for this episode, we're going to discuss Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which we both were lucky enough to see a little early. Wakanda Forever is the long awaited sequel to 2018's Oscar winning original Black Panther, but this is far from your typical sequel. Instead of continuing the story of T'Challa and his reign over Wakanda, the new film incorporates the tragic real life passing of Chadwick Boseman and shows how Wakanda deals with the grief associated with losing a king and protector. As you might expect, this isn't your typical MCU movie. This is a much more somber affair that mostly checks the humor at the door and delivers what you could argue is the most mature film in the history of the MCU. And as we typically do for these episodes, we'll begin with just our general thoughts in a non-spoiler capacity, and then we'll give a warning before heading into spoiler territory where we dive a little deeper. But before we get to our discussion of Wakanda Forever, I got to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. If you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, Rodrigo, let's start by giving our general thoughts on this movie uh, in a non-spoiler way. Um, but I will say, in a fair, a fair warning to everybody listening, even though we're going to talk about things that are not considered major spoilers, if you want to go in completely fresh, then you probably don't want to hear even some general plot points. So, Rodrigo, what do you think of Wakanda Forever? I think... I've seen it twice now. I had to kind of see it twice to, uh, I didn't really, I, 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 whatever, blah, blah, blah. I saw it and then I didn't really write down my thoughts and stuff. And then I came to write the review and I was like, oh shit, what? Because there's a lot of movie. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. And I kind of like, I was like, wait, what, what? And so I just like, and then I had an, another opportunity to see it twice. So I did. Um, so in short, I think it's really good and really powerful and also really messy. Um, um, but I still gave it a, a a very positive review. I think it's really good. I think it's somber. I think what it's it's considerations of grief and stuff like that are really great. I think there's a sophistication and complexity to the writing that it doesn't always land and doesn't always work, but is always super appreciated, both in in an emotional capacity and a geopolitical capacity, like the first one. And I like stuff like that. So um, ultimately, 
you know, I gave the review a B plus. I think I might have I, I debated a B. Um, but yeah, I still think it's a really good movie. I still think it's probably the best phase four Marvel film or very closely tied with Shang-Chi. Um, and that said, it's not a very strong phase four at all. I, no. <laughs> I think it's very, 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 very weak, actually. That includes television and, and films. So, you know, if I was comparing it to something else, the rest of the MCU, I don't know where it would stand, but uh, you know, even a B or a B plus is lands as like, you know, either number one or tied for uh, number one or number two in the phase four. Yeah, I uh, I agree with just about everything you said. I'm probably a little higher on this movie than you are. Uh, I think this is, in my mind, it's as good as the original Black Panther, which might be a little controversial because that movie generally is is thought of as, if not the best Marvel movie, right up there with like top three best Marvel movies. Um, I think what that movie failed at, this movie kind of picked up the the ball and ran with it. You know, the original yes. Black Panther was a little rough towards the end. It had just incredible world building. I think people are just amazed at the world building. And then obviously the performances with Chadwick and everybody else, this movie has great performances, that same world building, maybe a little bit too much world building as we'll we'll get to in a second. But um, they, they also just deliver what I think is a hugely satisfying third act. Uh, Yes. I mean, this isn't a spoiler. It's a Marvel movie. It ends with a big battle, but there's just so much emotion laced throughout this whole movie that even things like like the big CGI battle just feels like it has a bit more weight to it, um, which is, you know, I, I joked after I left this movie that this is uh, the first movie in a long time that for first Marvel movie I've seen in a long time that actually has something to say. Um, it's not just plot points. It's not just moving pieces around a board. This is a movie that has themes and an emotion and and something really uh, heavy on its mind, um, whereas something like Black Widow or even uh, definitely Multiverse of Madness, those movies yeah, are just yeah. those movies are just like you know wiki entries. Uh, yeah, Multiverse out. of Madness is like popcorn compared to this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just and, and Love and Thunder even, which Love and Th- yeah. it's interesting because there are certain parallels between Love and Thunder and this movie in the way it handles grief and stuff like that, but. I mean, that movie just totally dove into the whole, like, let's make fun of everything where this movie is like every joke it, when it happens, it's like a, a pressure release valve. And there's not allow- many jokes in this movie. No. There's like three, four, five. No, no. Like, I, just like, I, no. There's a point. There's a point where uh, the jokes just stop. Like they just aren't there anymore. Like they, they, they pepper them in a little bit at the beginning. Um, but yeah, especially I guess in the middle, there's some jokes, but yeah, towards the end, it just gets yeah. so hyper serious. Well, I mean, the stakes are really high and I always like that. I love emotional stakes. I love personal human stakes. And and this movie's filled with that. You said earlier that this movie is, 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 has, is really about something. I'd almost argue that it's about too many things. <laughs> it's, yeah. but, but it's certainly about, yes, it, it, it has, does it have a lot on its mind? Yes. Uh, maybe too much. Like I, 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 you know, I don't want to necessarily quote from my review, but I was like, I always try and like unpack what a movie is about. And I think I have a line where I go, it's about this, this, and this, but it's also about this, 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 and this, like, it's like, like, it's a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, just to, to kind of give people a feel for what this is about without giving any plot away, not only do you have the, the very real 
death of Chadwick Boseman, which is played out uh, through the character T'Challa. Um, and his absence is felt throughout this movie. That's kind of like the the umbrella. But then in peppered in between, you've got, uh, the, like you said, geopolitical movie about, you know, what it's like to be a nation that has what, in essence, could be the most powerful, powerful weapon in the world. How yeah. does the world react to that? Um how does the world react to the sudden loss of a leader in a powerful nation? You know, and then there's all this stuff about the grief, like a sister loses a brother, a mother not only loses her husband, but loses her son. Like all these things. It's just, yeah, it's a lot. A country, and it, loses, a country loses their leader, right? A, yeah. A country, a country loses their hope, their beacon. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. There's a lot of it. Right. And then, <laughs> and then you got all that. And then you throw in this antagonist. Yeah. Who, who, Oof, man! I mean, uh, you know, Tenoch Huerta as 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 Namor is fantastic, and he steals another... the show, right? Like nobody yeah, expected that to happen, but he really yeah. does steal the show, and he steals it with great, like, quiet menace. Like he, he I don't think he ever raises his voice. No, um, you know, like even when he 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 threatens, uh, you know, a character. And we'll get into that later, I suppose. But like, he just leans in really quietly and whispers basically like, you know, I'll fucking kill you if you do this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, and and I was worried a little bit because uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of weight or a lot of pressure put on this actor who, I mean, in the credits of this movie, they say introducing, which is a bit of a misnomer. I mean, he's yeah, been yeah. in stuff. He was in Narcos, stuff like that. He is yeah. an accomplished actor, but this yeah. is like, uh, we're talking in the first Black Panther, you had Killmonger, who's Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan had already proven himself, you know? So this was kind of like his victory lap. Tenoch here, he has nobody in America really knows what's up with this guy. And he is asked to do so much, um, not just like exposition and, and you know, action scenes, but also, like you said, that quiet menace, the whole like pain, because he's in a lot of pain too. And it's uh, and I and then also he has to do it all in underwear and winged ankles um, yeah. and, and and very like flamboyant jewelry and, and headdress and stuff like that, which, you know, could be distracting. But somehow, like I said, it just all comes together. No, I mean, you know, I, didn't they win a cost an, an Oscar award for costumes in the first one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's just say that they could do it again. I mean, that stuff all that stuff is potentially seems silly and instead it's it's just all you don't have to worry about any of that stuff like suspensions of disbelief is always the kind of thing that ruins a movie for me but if it does it's right away and i there's never you don't have to worry about that in this movie no and it's interesting because they don't they don't even hide things like you would think that uh other comic book movies have done this in the past even marvel movies where they take like a silly concept like winged ankles and they'll just kind of bury it but here they're just like no there's like i think the first time it you see his ankles they like zoom in on them like yeah i I thought for sure when i saw the trailer i was like oh i don't really like that i know it's comic book accurate it, but i'm not a huge fan of the winged ankles but it works it's like they make it work yeah yeah and and that's just and also let's let's get the comparisons out of the way this is not aquaman um they are oh, yeah. very different characters very similar on paper um which you know dates back to the comic books but the way they're executed it this movie makes aquaman look like uh airplane you know, yeah, like, I mean, like a, for sure, for sure. And even visually, like, you know, Aquaman oh, yeah. was was really touted as being this visually amazing movie, which I don't really think so, to be honest. And I think this is much more rich visually 
And also what's cool about Namor is, is that he's not necessarily the character from the comics. He's pretty different. No, he's no. a really pretty interestingly unique uh, character that they've created here. Yes, they borrow certain things, but he's quite different from the traditional version that, that we know. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the comic books. He's kind of silly, but he's also kind of just like, just an arrogant asshole, like a one note, arrogant asshole who, who runs a big country. Yeah. That was probably always the defining uh, trait of, of Namor in the comics. If you had to, one thing would probably be his arrogance is that he, he's just wildly arrogant and, and he's a jerk and, and he's, he's always been, you know, somewhere between hero and villain which they do here as well but i would say you know if he's got an arrogance it's certainly not the one-dimensional huffy puffy arrogance of the comic books it's also it's it's kind of mixed in with pride like this is a guy who runs a a great empire um and 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 this uh, this amazing civilization um so if they have like self-belief it feels in a way like really earned, like they have such mm. great pride in who they are, which really parallels, you know, Wakanda, which is a, a great nation, a great empire and has so much to be uh, prideful and proud about. Um, so in that sense, he, he really, Kugler, Ryan Kugler really picks a, a perfect villain in, in one that's, you know, very, very similar to Wakanda. Right. But but different in ways like that are, again, themes in this movie, just, just glossing over it real quick, but like technology versus tradition and spiritualism, right? Like you have Wakanda, which is this big, huge technological wonder. And then you have uh, Telecon, which is like uh, just super... Um, I mean, there's no technology. They're underwater, obviously. That's not They're not true. They have vibranium. They were all well, they, run they, by they, vibranium. They have a super, uh, what a super technological uh, thing. It's just not... In the same way that, they right. use, but they definitely use technology in the way they use vibranium, you know? Right. But instead of, instead of flying around in, in space vehicles, they ride killer whales, you know? Well, things they don't like, need to. There's certain things right. that are just not, they don't, they don't need to like do, you know? Um, no, the, the parallels are there, more, but they're they also very practical, different. Practical reasons, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, we, we both, I think are, are huge fans of Nemor. Um and, and and Teno Huerta, who's uh, just, I mean, if they don't utilize this guy more in the MCU, it's going to be, it's, yeah, it's almost like Killmonger, where you're just like, you you leave this movie saying like, damn, that was, that was something. But uh, speaking of something, let's talk about Angela Bassett, because she's getting a little bit of, of hype for, for her role in, in some Oscars pushes. And without yeah. giving away like the specifics of her role, do you think that, that her acting in this is, uh justified as an oscar push for supporting actors I mean, or whatever the oscar stuff is always a kind of weird one for me that i don't have that much interest in talking about but at the same time yes i think she's really good she's really great her character goes through some some really big emotional stuff she's lost her son and yeah. and then through different machinations she gets really fucking hard on everybody um because she's a, a mama bear who's already just lost one child and she doesn't want to lose another you know mm-hmm. so she gets or really the kingdom fun. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a lot riding on her, a lot resting on her shoulders. And at a certain point she gets pretty testy with everybody and sort of just, you know, she's, she's already sacrificed and lost a lot. And when certain points are drawn and 
it, you know, she doesn't want to lose anything more really. She, and mm -hmm. she certainly, you know, she's incredibly, um, she's got one daughter left in, in this and she doesn't want to lose her and, and she's very protective. And there's, and there's a scene and everybody will know it when they see it, where you're like, okay, this is the Oscar reel and it is really good. <laughs> like they just, they just like, everybody moves away, gives Angela Bass at the camera and she just runs with it. And it's, it's fantastic. She uh, does have a lot of great commanding scenes. There's uh, also a, a really great early one in, in essentially what is like the UN, which is really powerful as well. Yeah. But, uh, as, as good as, as everybody is, I think if you had to hand the MVP out to anybody, I think it's Letitia Wright, which is not something I would have thought to say before this movie, because in my mind, as much as Shuri's a great character in the original Black Panther, she is very, well, even in, I guess she was in Infinity War and Endgame. She's just kind of, you know, just like a baby Tony Stark, you know, <laughs> she, mm. she, she's kind of jokey and silly and they ask her to really step up and mm. uh and she kind of serves as the the emotional center point of this movie in the same way that Angela Bassett is also she's dealing not only is she you know still handling all the technology but she's also uh she's also a sister who lost her brother who she looked up to and admired and and watching that that journey that emotional journey i think Letitia Wright just kind of knocked it out of the park too i don't know if i would call her the mvp and i don't really? know really her as much as you but i think she's really good and that's maybe where we differ on like how great the movie is like i think if like it sounds like to you you know if it wasn't like to me namor really kind of makes this movie and um without him i think it's a lesser movie i, I think she's good i think but i don't know if she's the mvp and i uh yeah i mean she's also like i i don't know there's a i don't want to say likability factor but her character has is is you know i don't want to get a spoiler stuff but it's really pushed into some like uncomfortable places and she's sort of like in in ways that like sort of take you off her wavelength in a way you know yeah yeah i agree i think uh it, as much as people might think they they understand the story going into this movie with Letitia wright's character shuri there are some choices that are made that are are truly shocking and and you're like you got to hand it to marvel for actually kind of pushing it to certain levels and and at that point we are kind of skirting around uh spoilers so i i, I don't want to dive any deeper into that but uh just in my mind i think she's great i think um she was a real surprise for me in the sense that i thought i knew what i was getting with her but uh she really stepped up and i think she yeah i mean i think she steps up for sure i don't i don't know if she's the mvp but she certainly there's much more asked of her than the first film and, and she and she by and large delivers for sure cool and and we already said this but we both think this is the best phase 4 project tv and film right you said it's up there with shang chi but i think it's better than shang chi personally e i think my problem is, and this is some something we should talk about that I don't necessarily think like is spoilery, but like it's just like it's a it's a if you look at and I can't help but look at movies structurally, but like it's very messy on a structural level. It takes uh you know it's essentially a movie about you know the the conflict between uh, Namor and uh, or, or Talokan and Wakanda. And, uh, you know, the schism there and and they're I, I still see them as very alike. And that's what makes them great adversaries, because the countries and the nations and their beliefs are very similar. Um, they're both, 
you know, Wakanda is not a, a nativist isolationist na- nation anymore, but it was. That's right. where we met them in 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 uh, Black Panther, the first one, um, which had a lot of echoes to the nationalism of go- of the United States in in the Trump era. You know, they didn't want outsiders, they didn't want immigrants, they didn't want to help immigrants, they didn't want people on their borders. They wanted to be themselves, and they wanted to hoard all the resources. That changes at the end of Black Panther because uh, you know uh, T'Challa wants to change it, um, and where uh Talokan is at the beginning of this movie and doesn't really change that much is very 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 similar to where Wakanda was and uh, as as a nation uh, ideo- ideologically and uh you know even if Wakanda has essentially moved on from it although they kind of haven't as is shown in this movie um they're very similar and and I think that's what you know when you have a, a villain and a hero that are so similar and alike you get a lot of interesting friction and 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 tension and 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 uh complexity between them you know like i think the greatest villains are the ones or ones that you can empathize with their point of view and i think the best heroes are the ones who do things that are like you know borderline immoral and i think you have that in both these characters you know um there's they they certainly pushing uh uh did some questionable stuff there's a lot of kind of like choices made in anger and and Namor is certainly someone that you as as crazy as he is or whatever you know is as as ideological like ideologically kind of like you know furious or whatever um he does have you know sound ideas about protecting his people for reasons of history of oppression and colonialism and all these things that have affected both their nations and the both that the two of them um understand very very well you know yeah, it's 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 interesting, especially because, like we said at the beginning, the the first movie kind of took on the whole isolationist, uh, like nationalist mentality, yeah. and yeah, then so. introduced Killmonger, who didn't want to just like introduce Wakanda to the world, but wanted to to you know show that they were the greater society. Whereas Namor doesn't necessarily want that; he just wants to no, be left he alone. At all. He wants <laughs> he wants he wants what Wakanda was at the beginning of of Wakanda of Black Panther one. Yeah. He wants their he wants to be kept a secret. He wants they have an empire and they know he knows that well that I mean, you know, I don't know if it's a huge secret or whatever but essentially, you know, everybody wants vibranium and once the Americans want that, that starts to make the people who have it very nervous. Yeah, yeah. Um with that, let's let's uh get uh, move into the spoiler discussion. So we have our general thoughts out of the way. This is a very good movie. Uh, Rodrigo's official review gave it a B plus. He's he's still there. Uh, I'm probably B plus A minus on it. I really really like this movie. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna transition to spoilers. Where we can get a little deeper with our our uh, likes and dislikes. They came from the water. They had superhuman strength. He's coming. For the surface world. That can't be good. Okay, so first I want to, in the spoiler discussion, kind of talk about the, the elephant in the room, the thing that we kept not talking about in the other section, which is the what I think is the most common criticism of this film in the reviews I've read, and also where you kept saying it was messy 
I think is is where we talk about the quote unquote fat of this movie, which is Martin Freeman's Everett Ross and Julie Louis Julie Louis Dreyfus's Valentina blah 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 De Fontaine, whatever her name is. Um you know, spoilers, she's kind of the big hidden character in this movie, so to speak. And what they they they, they do have a purpose in this movie. They are the the purposes the Americans want vibranium and uh they'll do whatever it takes to get it. Um, but ultimately all this stuff, you, you just can't help but feel like it destroys the momentum and just doesn't really belong. Right. Absolutely. I mean, in terms of like, do they belong in this movie? Yes. Do they have a purpose? Yes. Do they all unfortunately add to the runtime? That's like two hours and 45 minutes and does feel very, very long to me. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of like A to B and, and like, we got to get the scientists and then the scientists here and then, and then Shuri gets kidnapped and this and that. And, and it's like, it's a lot. And then we got to find Nakia and Nakia has got to like it, it be reintroduced into this world. And where has she been? And it's just got a lot of business to deal with. And I, I, I think that like, does all this stuff, is there like well-intentioned reasons for all this stuff? Yes. Does it all work in terms of like, is it, does it kind of feel baggy and does it kill the pacing and momentum? Yeah, definitely. You know? So here, here's my problem. The Nakia stuff is foundation for a payoff at the end. The reason so. uh, we'll, we'll get to that more, but I think they, they do the whole Nakia thing. They have to introduce where she was. She's in mm-hmm. Haiti. And I think that all pays off in that mid credit scene. Um, whether you believe it's worth it, um, that's that's up for debate. But but it does have kind of a, a payoff. The Riri Williams stuff, uh, it's introducing a new character. It, she does go on a bit of a journey. The payoff is more a little gray because it's like, well, we just launching this character. Um, if you believe Marvel, it's a character they were going to put in this movie anyway, with or without a TV series. You don't necessarily feel that in this movie. It does feel a bit. I think you in our discussions offline, you said it's like America Chavez. Yeah. From so- Multiverse of Madness, where she's yeah. a plot device. Um, I think they handle it a bit more elegantly than what uh, they do in Multiverse of Madness, where America is just like kind of grabbed and, and pulled in every which way, literally. And then, you know. She wanted, she doesn't really even have an arc really, <laughs> but, but I, so I, I like Riri Williams as a character. I, I like that she's in this movie. I wish she would have had a bit more to do um, other than being the MacGuffin, as you say. Right. But even like, uh, yeah, I agree with you on one level, but like, God, if you would given her more to, to do this movie, it would have just been like yeah. three hours and 10 minutes. It's right. Like, it's like, I feel like if anything, like it's just packed with too much stuff and yes, it's well-intentioned. And I do get the point of, of including all these other characters. I don't feel it's like MCU uh, superfluity, which they do a lot in the MCU for sure. Well, let me interrupt you because I want to say that, that my final thing is Everett Ross and Valentina, I think gave me those age of Ultron PTSD moments where if you remember back in that movie, they introduce all these subplots that are going to pay off in different movies. And that I think is a crime. <laughs> um, it, it, you don't have to do it so overtly and sure they're in this movie. They have a, a purpose, but it's clear. I think that these are scenes that are going to pay off somewhere dot, dot, dot down the line, you know, like we don't, yeah, really... but I don't think they're... they, I think that's a, um, a, a, a nice uh, benefit and corollary of them, but they're there because, <clears throat> look, the plot of this movie in its most basic terms, which I think it's probably good that we're talking about it in the spoiler section, because I don't know if it's actually in the trailers and stuff, but the plot of this movie is that 
Vibranium has been discovered outside of Wakanda. And that's a huge like revelation to the entire world. Right. Um, even to the Wakandans. The Wakandans didn't think Vibranium existed outside of Wakanda. Going back to that, <clears throat> the movie is also about the end of Black Panther 1, which T'Challa uh, uh, promised the world that he was going to share Vibranium and he was going to share it on a global stage. And we can assume, well, Thanos happened, the snap happened five years later, six years later, uh, and then T'Challa dies. Well, they haven't really, you know, um, lived up to that promise. And yeah. and for good practical reasons. Look, we had a snap, half the world died, uh, then our king died, and but the world has grown impatient. <clears throat> and they're sort of knocking on their doors and being like, okay, guys, like, you know. Well, they're literally it, attacking. Well, yeah, but but before that, they're 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 being. I know your king died, but it's been a year, and it's been six years since you promised to share vibranium, and we're impatient. And what when are you going to do that? And that makes total sense. And so when you've got world powers after that, it, it makes sense that you're going to go to Everett Ross, who already is the representation of the American government in the. Uh, the colonizer well he in the in the in the black panther franchise yeah he's the he's the you know thunderbolt ross or whatever there's always an american authority character right he is that character in this universe in their mini micro universe right and so that makes complete sense and then having someone to be his boss and someone to be a heavy in that situation it, it also makes sense to have someone like her. So in that regard, yes, I totally, I, I have no problem with it. It makes complete sense. And the stuff that they are setting up is pretty ancillary. And I don't think it's like that, um, you know, I think that it is going to pay off, but but it's it's not the point of their, if that, if that was just the reason they were there, that would be bad, but it's not. Um, so they, they do have an organic germane pur- purpose to being there. But it just again, it adds to the whole kind of runtime of everything. Well, so I think the the major problem with it is it's not completely uh, superfluous, right? So like you like you just laid out, they do have a purpose in this movie. I just think that having these characters and their interactions, uh, their scenes go on too long. That that can't be uh, ignored. But they also towards uh, I would say probably the the latter well the end of the second act the beginning of the third act before they completely fade away. They um, they're just kind of spinning their wheels. Suddenly we're talking about why Everett Ross was, you know, hiding that he's talking to Wakanda and things like that, where it's, it's just like, okay, you're just setting up this rivalry between them. This, this animosity you set up that they used to be married. You set up Valentina as just a, another pain in the ass. Like she's been in every appearance and it just got to the point where, okay, this is just, get us back to Wakanda, get us back to Namor, get us back to, to Sherry and, and uh, M'Baku and all them. And I just, I, I think you could have had your cake and eat it too. You could have introduced them. You could have had Julie Louis Dreyfus come in, but you could have done it in a, in a more streamlined way. That's all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. Like the, they really try to give everybody their moment. Um, including Nakia and, you know, and, and, and it's like, it just, it just goes on. I wouldn't know where to cut it either. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't, I don't know the problems. All I know is the pacing and the momentum is kind of lost. And it's not really till the midway point of the film when the huge like act thing happens that creates a new wave of grief. That's when the movie finally comes to life for me. Right. 
Um, and that's where it's really good. And from before that, it's been a lot of false, like start, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, reset, start, stop, you know, a lot of, yeah. a lot of that. So uh, I want to go back to the beginning a little bit because we didn't even touch on this in the non-spoiler thing, because I think even talking about it, it's really a bit of a spoiler, but it's how they deal with T'Challa's death. And I, I was personally very surprised before this movie came out, me and you had talked about, would they have him be assassinated? Would he be killed in battle? Like, how would they kill T'Challa after they set him up to be this kind of badass character? And I, I don't know if it was me or you. One of us mentioned, you know, what if they did cancer? <laughs> would that be too close to home? And while they don't say cancer in this, they just call it a mystery illness. It's very clear uh, in the way they present it that they're just echoing what really happened. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. What, what do you think about that? Was that was that a bit much? Would you have preferred it a different way? No, I think it was totally fine. I just don't love. Again, the pacing is like. There's the opening scene. They're trying to save him. Then they go into the funeral scene. And that's essentially two prologues, and then mm-hmm. the movie begins. One yeah. cut one year later, then the movie begins. I I agree that you have to do both those scenes, um, and I think they're both fine. I think just the machinations of the pacing and momentum of both are a little. Even the funeral is like it's like you know I, I want the funeral to be longer to be better felt, but I don't want this movie to be longer. But I felt <laughs> the funeral was a little kind of rushed, yeah, a little like not. I don't know. It's just, there's just too much plot business in this movie and it succeeds anyhow. And I think it's really strong in the end, but there is just, there's too, there's so much to deal with. There's his death. Then you set up like, you know, uh, then, then, then the American business starts, right. The, yeah. we want the vibranium and that leads to Namor because uh, there's vibranium at the bottom of the ocean. And, you know, even that whole like sequence with Lake Bell and, 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 uh, it's like, it's almost like, like, I love that sequence. It's really great. It's really terrifying. And it's so it reminds cool. me a bit of Winter Soldier, yes. like the opening of Winter it's Soldier. very terrifying in, in that, like, oh my God, like these, these Wakan or these, these, uh, Talokans are fucking terrifying. They're, yeah. they're hypnotizing people. People are, and they're, and they're just like, so coming out of the deep and the dark and they're, they're really, um, utilizing anybody's fear of like, you know, who would want to go into the fucking ocean at night? <laughs> who would want to like name one person on the fucking earth who would want to go into the middle of the ocean at night? Uh, yeah. Nobody. And and they tap into those kinds of fears, which feel very organic. Um, but at the same time, it's like, do we even need this? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I love that scene, but there's just so much to get through. So, so Marvel's kind of made a, a bit of a trope at this point that they do cold opens. It used to not be that way. It used to start with the Marvel logo and then they would go into the scenes, but now they do cold opens. And, I, and walking into this movie, I was thinking like, will they do the funerals a cold, cold open? Will they introduce Namor as a cold open? Are they going to do the whole Lake Bell scene, you know, which could have also been a cold open? Yeah. But they they ended up doing all of them at different points in the movie, which is it's a little weird for pacing because, like you said, they they open with what could have been uh, a very emotional scene, but I don't think the audience is warmed up enough at that point to really feel it. It just kind of yeah, it, yeah. That, that's part of it too. It's like you're thrust right into it, his death and a funeral right away, and you barely even just adjusted, and it's over. Yeah, and, and it got. And, and, I was going to say, and I think the, the emotional crescendo isn't even a scene in the movie. It's the Marvel logo. Um, That is what personally got me choked up 
yeah wasn't any of that it was seeing it was seeing t'challa and you're like oh he just died you know and yeah. and that was a weird feeling too to have the emotional scene be a logo but uh regardless then they they you know then they introduce the whole vibranium subplot and then about a third into the movie you get Nimor finally explaining his whole origin which is another prologue yeah absolutely you have this whole thing where you have to like get into like the whole backstory and history of no more and is that interesting and is that really like rich and interesting absolutely but it's like another like let's pause the movie for a second yeah there's just so much of that and it's like i think this movie is good but i also think it's just like results are going to vary on how much of your tolerance or how much of a viewer you are even if you're not conscious of it like how much pacing and momentum and and those sort of things uh, interrupt your enjoyment of a film. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, like <clears throat> I think a lot of audiences could probably watch that and just be kind of like, yeah, I don't know, and not even be completely conscious of it. But there's just a lot of like stops and starts and stuff. And 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 this is a taxing movie too because it doesn't have very many of those uh, those jokey moments that kind of relieve the pressure. It uh, really does kind of stay this one somber tone. A lot of of anger, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness, and it makes a two and a half or two hour forty five minute movie feel a little longer um because you're just so emotionally drained whereas something like endgame which is actually three hours long kind of moves at a faster clip because of of just the pacing of the movie and also the tone yeah i would agree with that i'm not a huge endgame fan but i would say the endgame the pacing and momentum of endgame at least is feels much more uh forward moving whereas this one is full of stops and starts so yeah i would i i I definitely do not like endgame that much but i think pacing wise it's a it's a stronger film right and so but again (laughs) like we keep saying as much as we we see that it's a bit messy as we see it's a bit long we don't know where you can do it any better and i think uh the proposition of this movie to really take it at a kind of a macro level this idea that your your franchise linchpin uh, dies in real life, shockingly and surprisingly. And the filmmaker who has already written what apparently was a 300-page script of a first draft and wow. then had to chuck it and deal not only with the loss of a friend and a colleague, but also, you know, what do I do <laughs> with this? Although, you know, I really think, I don't know how much it was... Th- totally reworked like it right sounds the, like things, apparently the namor stuff was always there yeah absolutely so it's always it's always you're going after vibranium you're you're the, the americans are pissed um all that still happens it still all leads to namor and it's the same story except you have to reorient your point of view because you're telling it through uh, T'Challa's point of view rather than shuri's point of view and then when you redo it you not only have to do it through shuri's point of view but you have to like about the grief of what everybody's lost. Right. And so that's a reoriented, but I think plot wise, it was pretty similar, like in, in, a, in a lot of ways, it was still the, uh, the story of like these two nations that are very similar and probably more similar than they would like to uh, admit um, against one another. What actually works in the benefit is this, is that in Shuri's fury and her anger, she becomes much more like Namor than T'Challa ever would have yeah. been. Yeah. Chala would never have stood whatsoever for um, 
Namor, and the two of them would be more of a kind of traditional black and white superhero film with like the good guy with the the the, the principles and morality and the the bad guy with like this it would be much more like like against dry. killmonger right yeah like those two guys and in this uh we see shuri who who is like who kind of loses her way like she becomes yeah. uh consumed with vengeance and she goes really far and in that way i i was like wow like they're really she's not she's not that all that heroic and which leads to the end of the film you know you know right spoiler spoiler alert, <laughs> spoiler alert, she's no longer she's not the queen of wakanda someone no. else has taken over because she's not really that kind of figure and i think she maybe kind of realizes that in some of the mistakes she makes um in in that scene i think one of the most interesting scenes is when her and um Umbaku, like where she's basically saying we're gonna we're gonna go after them, and yeah, is like, are you sure? Like, you want to start a war? Like, he's he's the real leader in that thing, and she's looking like, out yeah. for the people, and all yes, that. exactly, yeah. he's got the big picture in mind, and she doesn't. She's she's selfish. She's full of anger. She just wants revenge. She's all self interest, and she's lost herself. Um, I think that so that was a really interesting point. Um, let's 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 talk about shuri because we're we're skirting around it let's just say uh the going into this movie most of the discussion was how are they going to deal with t'challa's death and also who's going to be the new black panther uh there are all sorts of leaks that showed shuri was going to be black panther but people still were like and i think marvel was still kind of toying with the idea of like maybe it'll be okoye maybe it'll be nakia maybe it'll be michaela Coel. you know who who's going to be the new black panther but when you watch the movie that's never really a thing. It's never no, absolutely not. There's, there's, it's never who the next Black Panther is. It's always when is Shuri going to step the fuck up? And and but what's genius about it, I think, is that it's not like you said, it's not Shuri uh, who finally, uh, you know, just a, the plot device finally builds 3D prints the, the flower and or the herb and and takes it and when she goes to the ancestral plane it's not this like you know she doesn't meet queen ramonda who had just or ramonda who just passed away uh she meets killmonger and while that seems kind of like oh really on paper it works so well because it changes the course of the movie suddenly the black panther isn't the protector suddenly the black panther is this weapon of vengeance uh almost like batman yeah, i gotta say that that kind of like through me the first time and i was like wait what and like but i think it's a really br- bold and brilliant choice because it completely warps the idea of who the black panther is and this hero and it really sort of like takes the movie into a very non-heroic place and and that's sort of i was kind of challenged by that but i, I was also liked the way it was challenged but like i think that was really interesting because yeah it just kind of like i mean even black panther one we learned that Wakanda is built upon a lie, right? Like it's right. built upon like the, these things that his father did that were like pretty fucked up. And he killed yeah. his own brother. Yeah. He killed he his no own longer brother. brings it up again in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so this is a real like stain and blemish on the legacy of Wakanda. And by the end of black Panther one, you know, uh, T'Challa wants to, to do right by the entire nation because of that and undo all of it. Right. Like mm-hmm. He's, he's like a little bit ashamed of his father and everything. And so it's taking it in one direction. And then all of a sudden the movie like kind of throws back to this, you know, the dark side of Wakanda. And 
as much as I found that sort of unpleasant in a way, because I kind of wanted it to be heroic. I, I do applaud them for doing that. I, yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting. And what's more interesting is it sort of like, <clears throat> I mean, I guess we can get to this point, but like there's uh, you, you and I have talked about this offline. There's a, a, a bunch of points of ellipsis in this yeah. movie um, at the end um, that points to the future of black, black Panther and where it could go and things that are happening. And one of them I think is tied to this because there's something about Killmonger being in that thing that has sort of potentially like distorted and warped Shuri. Like, yeah. like she's not the traditional Black Panther she's supposed to be. And I think the ellipsis for her at the end of this movie, the dot, 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 is that her grappling with, she saw Killmonger, she almost went to the edge and then deciding I can't because of this, I'm sort of compromised like it's almost like to me like reading it if i want to read it in a sort of deeper or or but maybe simpler way is that there's a little bit of evil in her now yeah um and unintentionally and so she knows she cannot be the queen um and so you know at at the end uh, umbaku is is takes over as the king of wakanda um well presumed king yeah, like we, they don't actually show it, but it's, it's it, but heavily think, hinted that yeah, I think that's, he that's definitely, where going, I yeah. think he definitely is. So that's the there's two points of ellipsis there. One, what's going on with her? Because we don't. I I think this what has happened with the herb went kind of wrong, and I think yeah. it's going to have a lasting <laughs> yeah. kind of consequence on her, right? Yeah. I and, well, so uh, yo, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I mean, and then, then there's the the final ellipsis, which you know, spoiler alert of the spoiler alert. There's a there's a there's an heir. There's a kid. Yeah. There's one, yeah. T'Challa's son, um, who's Nakia's son. So there's all that. And if we want to drill into like a a un, kind of uncomfortable kind of like the whole making of this movie, where you know Letitia Wright was essentially uh, uh, rumored to not be vaccinated, and that was causing a lot of problems. And there was an article in Variety today about this again, and her handlers basically avoided the question in a way that was incredibly obvious that they did yeah. not want to answer any questions about her vaccination status. Well, not and just so, that. They don't want her talking about it. They don't want her talking about it whatsoever. So, I mean, and, and it's done in such a way that it's like, it's pretty obvious, but yeah. Yeah. Her well, and then there's the whole there's the whole injury thing, which which kind of spawned this whole vaccination status thing, and and that is there. So, uh, long story short, there was a lot of question marks around Letitia Wright in this movie, and there are people who uh, there was speculation that maybe her role was going to change. There's speculation that maybe the direction of the franchise was going to change because Letitia Wright is this wild card. Um, right. We had just said that you know she is very good in this movie. And her character is given layers that I don't think anybody saw coming. And so if she was to stay around, then great. I think that there's a lot of uh, fertile ground here to really build something from. But also if they need to, <laughs> if they need to just say like, well, Sherry's reign was short and sweet, they can do that as well. Um, yeah, I, I guess what I want to say is like they've given themselves three points options potential yeah. yeah three outs and three potential points to steer away from shuri yeah. they have mbaku as the king they have an heir that they could age up if they needed to through the multiverse or whatever and they also have the potential of turning her into a villain so yeah. if they want to get rid of that character they've given themselves three options and i think those options are there for a reason and it's pretty subtle and it's pretty small 
and they don't have to act on any of it, but it's there. Yeah. I want to, uh, before we get off of Shuri real quick, I want to, I want to talk about the, the, the way that they frame Shuri's dark side moment, which I think is very clever. They, because if you remember in the original Black Panther, when T'Challa goes to the ancestral plane yeah. or realm, whatever they call it, he he sees his dad, but it's not his dad giving him advice. It's T'Challa saying, you fucked up and now I have to change everything. And this is all because of you. It's this anger, but it's this whole like, you're the bad guy. I got to be the good guy. And that's what I'm going to do. And it's this like super empowering moment. Mm-hmm. And so when uh, Shuri goes under and, and goes to the ancestral plane, she meets Killmonger, who is almost it's he's sitting on a throne. It's very uh, 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 Emperor Palpatine sort of thing, right? Where right. he's just like, you are not your brother. Your brother's no longer here. You have to take the reins and you have to be vindictive and 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 are you going to take care of business are you going to be like the superhero are you going to take care of business that's the other part what i'd really like about that killmonger makes just a lot of sense he does again right yeah and 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 michael b jordan brings it again like it's unreal and and it's a moment that could have been incredibly confusing like why is killmonger there but they set it up like queen ramondo shouldn't have been there right like she wasn't a, a black panther she wasn't any of that the last black panther was killmonger in a sense right like he was the last person to take the herb and and so it it does make sense but regardless what's cool about it is so she wakes up and then she goes to to get a suit and she goes for killmonger's suit and you're like oh shit and then what i think is the best part is uh ludwig gordonson's score which gets completely changed up and gets super ominous and creepy to the point yeah. where it got me skeeved out. Like, I'm like, are they doing this? Is Sherry the bad guy? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, and I, I want to say that that was just, it wasn't the shock of, Oh, Sherry's the black Panther. I think everybody saw that coming. The movie is not trying to hide that. Um, it telegraphs it multiple times, but it's just the type of black Panther that I think is, is so well done. And and like you said, it leads to these these conclusions, which let's let's talk about each one again. Mbaku, uh, the the little uh, end, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Return of the King esque ending for him is he goes and he goes to the what they think is Shuri going to challenge or do the whole ceremony to become queen. Instead, it's Mbaku saying, "I want to challenge for the throne," uh, and that's all you see. Which leads me to believe that... Uh, but there's no one there to be challenged for the throne. And no. also, if you notice that moment when... Like, they, they tee it up in that they look at all the um, the Jabari tribe and they're yeah. all smiling and really proud because they know what's going to happen. Yeah. And they, and then know, it, what, they know what's coming, i.e. he's going to become the king. And what's interesting about it also is the whole theme that I... I uh, surrounding Shuri's character, I think, is the whole technology versus spirituality um you know she ultimately has to stop relying and burying herself on technology she has to fully commit to the the spirituality of it the whole ancestral plane stuff the whole like you know destiny and and these things she can't quantify in numbers and and technology and you think that that's going to lead up to her fully embracing what she made fun of in the original movie which is this whole ceremony but no, <laughs> she ditches it, which is just it's it's another one of those questions like, oh, maybe she hasn't really learned. Um, and then the the second uh, ellipses, as you said, was or, or one that we didn't talk about is Nimor 
talking about how, yeah, they compromised, but ultimately Wakanda is going to come running back to them. Um, and when that time comes, they're going to, in essence, uh, fuck the world over and burn it down um, together. Do you, where do you see that going? Well, I, you know, they're not going to bring back Namor for Black Panther three. That would be too obvious. Namor is just going to be around and, and, I think that you have to use Namor and the Telekin sparingly. Um, I think they're kind of special, and I don't think I certainly don't want him to be an Avenger like fighting alongside no. everybody. Um, he's they've got to keep him in the shadows and use him. I mean, he's a great character. He's amazing, and I love him. But like, do not make him like you know Loki fighting alongside Ant Man and shit. Like like no, <laughs> no. like it's like I don't know how they use him, and I don't think it's. I don't think it's very easy. Um, and I think, in fact, I think the ways that they could bring him back or the telecans could be pretty terrible. Like it could yeah. be like the way, uh, God, I could just foresee like a it. situation. Like where, a portal like, opens. What? Like a portal opens and in game. Yeah, and, yeah. Come and all again. the telecans come out like, <laughs> oh yeah, we needed them. You know, we needed some backup. And like, that's exactly how I, I see them. And being like, no more was like, well, you guys rang, you know, like <laughs> that's the worst fucking. And Ant-Man set. says, what are these avatar guys doing? You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Uh, Something like that would be fucking terrible. And oh, God, it just someone, somebody, somebody, get someone at Marvel to listen to that. So they never do that. <laughs> God, don't do that. Like, no, I know yeah. you're, that's the temptation, but do not fucking do that. I, know. I see them coming as like the cavalry in, in some sort of like mm-hmm. Avengers movie, like where they need an army of, you know, nobodies like what they did with Wakanda at the end. Like, it's like, I mean, that one uh, kind of makes a little bit more sense because they were a central integral part of infinity war. So, right. That that wasn't not I didn't have really a problem with that, but I think in this case, like if you just bring them out of nowhere because they exist, it'd just be really terrible. Well, I think Namor and, and Talakan is really special and really interesting, but you've got to find an organic place for it. Yeah, I think the the big difference is, is at the end of the original Black Panther, Wakanda is a friendly force who wants to be integrated into the the world and has a, a world power. And so it makes sense that they would fight a big battle. Whereas at the end of this, all Namor learned is, okay, well, sometimes I have to compromise, but we're still hidden. Nobody knows we exist. And right. they have to change their, their political and global ideology at all. No, no. They just made a, a, a truce and an amnesty with... Uh, Wakanda and they think Wakanda can be an ally again sometime, but to pick that up on Black Panther three is going to, would be too similar. You want, you want another villain. You'd want a different kind of movie, right? It would just be way too similar. So therefore you're not bringing the more or the telecons back into the MCU for a long time because they're still hidden. Right. Right. I don't, I don't see them coming back anytime soon unless you use them in that terrible situation (laughs) scenario that i brought up right yeah i mean they could they could potentially show up in fantastic four through some machinations which probably still wouldn't be very satisfying nobody really knows them except for uh 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 you know valentina maybe i it's not even explicit that they know that telecom exists right Right, but um, so the other thing is, is we 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 talked about it, but the whole Valentina Ever Ross thing is teeing up either Thunderbolts or Cap Four, which is you know 
it's fine, whatever. But then the mid credit scene, which people are, you know, the early social media uh, reports where this is the greatest mid credit scene in the history of the MCU, which basically is Shuri has, um, uh, she's either on a vision quest or she's, you know, shirking her responsibilities and she just wants to get out of Wakanda and she goes to Haiti to see Nakia and to have this spiritual uh, situation where she burns the funeral robes and, you know, experiences. It's a really beautiful scene where she's actually on the beach and she's feeling the wind, which is, you know, calls back. It's a to great, it. it's a great scene. I don't know if it's the best mid credits. It's certainly no. one of the most emotional and, and it's, it's a, it's a terrific scene. And also it ties into what the movie is about this movie, right. like one part of this movie or Shuri's part of this movie is grief interrupted. Her, her movie is about is supposed to, her story is supposed to be about being able to grieve and let go of her brother. And part of that is at the beginning of the movie where she's going to burn her robes. Her mother does it. And that's where you let go and you no longer mourn. She's not able to do that because she's literally interrupted by Namor and mm-hmm. Namor comes and causes all this stuff. And so she cannot grapple with any of that stuff with her, with her grief and get to healing. So this is where, like, at least on that level, I, I I like it very much so in the writing, just because it finally lets her get to that level. She finally gets to this place where she can burn those robes and and, and stop mourning and accept his death and, and move on to the healing process. Yeah. So, and yeah, try and try to feel him, you know, in a, in a literal and spiritual sense, um, yeah, which is a, all Ramonda wanted for her. Moment, for sure. Yeah. But then <laughs> what I think is what, what's really uh, making people take notice is like you said they introduce uh prince t'challa who um in a in a uh, kind of a soap opery dun 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 sort of scene nikia reveals that her and t'challa had a kid at some point in the past um you know it's probably between six and eight years ago um in marvel time not in real time yeah uh, sometime after what well, would have to have been right after it would have to have been somewhere probably after the events of Black Panther. Right. Before Infinity War, but after Black Panther, where yeah, where they have a kid and they both agree with Ramonda that they need to take this kid to Haiti to not be raised in Wakanda for whatever reason. Um, it, that's kind of not really uh, harped on too much. But needless to say, uh, the kid has a, a, a Haitian name. Uh, I think it's uh, Toussaint or something. Um yeah. But well, then what, what I actually got from it is that she he died before the kid was born. Like she was pregnant. No. No? That's what no. I got. And that's the reason that she hid him. No, because then that kid would be all of a year old. No, because there's five years after the snap and there's He would he didn't die after he died after the snap. And then it, it goes one year later to the present day. Right. So that's six years. Five years for the snap. Are you saying are you saying he he was born right before the snap. I'm saying he probably was born very shortly after the snap. Like, um, like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you meant after T'Challa came back from the snap. No, 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 no. no yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what, that's, that's what I'm saying. part of why she leaves. Right. Because right. He, he, he dies essentially when the snap and she's like heartbroken and crushed and she just leaves because like she just had a child and her husband or what her partners just died essentially mm-hmm. 
to, to anybody back then when the snap first happened, you, you died. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he comes back, but he agrees that she should stay in Haiti, which, you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, but, but we're given this kid who's definitely a kid, um, who is still a good 10, 12 years off from, from being any sort of character that could potentially become a black Panther. But like you said, the multiverse exists (laughs) and they play hard, fast and loose with these, these rules. They really do. They really do. And so there is the potential that after secret wars or Kang or whatever, they could introduce another T'Challa. And guess what? Since they only introduced him as a kid, they could cast anybody as T'Challa. Yeah. Um, They're giving themselves an out. And it's one that, in some ways undermines the message of like the strong female movie, you know? It's yeah. Like, well, it's like, uh, you know, I, I get why they did it because of the whole problems with Leticia Wright, but it's sort of a kind of like, eh, like it's almost like, Oh, guess what? We have a male heir. So don't worry about it. If none of this works out, it's, it wasn't my favorite thing in the whole world. So I disagree with you a bit on that. I think I I know the Letitia Wright stuff. I know that, you know, perhaps the 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 real reason is is they needed another out. I think it's kind of a beautiful moment in the sense that they they have a legacy now. Like T'Challa cuz what they do in this movie is they kill everybody who's left except for Shuri as part of the royal family. And this is just saying that, you know, no, there's still T'Challa's like literal blood uh, with this kid who eventually could take over um, after Shuri, because then they're saying, you know, like what there's nobody, there's no family heir, which if you watch house of the dragon is very important to uh, aristocracy and monarchies. So you need that sort of like, you know, that heir. So I don't see it as undermining the, the, the strong female feminist message of this movie or and I don't necessarily see it as just the cynical, we got to have a backup plan in case Letitia Wright is no longer viable. Um, I, I think it was, I choked up, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I really, uh, I was shocked by it. And I, uh, I felt the, the, the sobbing <laughs> around me of people who were very emotional during that scene. So I think it's important or impactful. Um, but yeah, I, I, it worries me a little bit what they could do with it, but also even if they don't do anything with it in the the real short term, I think it's still a worthwhile addition to the movie. Yeah. I mean, I would still think it's, I still think it's actually kind of emotional and, and kind of, it is a good scene, but it's, it, it's, it's a little bit loaded and has some issues to it. Right. Um, so now let's, let's look to the future, uh, put on our, our speculation caps for a bit. Where do you see Black Panther going? Obviously, uh, we haven't even talked about the Dora Milaje, who are a huge part of this movie and will likely get their own TV show or multiple TV shows. But where do you see Black Panther 3 heading? Is this Shuri going Breaking Bad, so to speak? Or, you know, yeah, I think I again, I think they've they don't know and they've given themselves lots of options and lots of room. And I think what we'll see is I don't think we're going to see a Black Panther, Panther 3 for a long time. And they have got a lot of opportunities with, uh, they've got like, you know, today there was reports of that they have multiple potential Wakanda for, uh, for Wakanda series on Disney plus. And so I think that's what they're going to explore for the next two or three years. You could see like a, a Dora Milaje series. You could see a series with Michaela Cole or one of, um, what is her girlfriend's name in, in, uh, who is also, who is also, in, it's a, uh, it's a Neka and, um, 
shit i forget the other one's name but, like, uh, but they're from... the the midnight angels right is that what they're called right i don't really know that very well but um they become goes... like they basically become the spec ops of the dormelage uh okay well you know we already saw anika step up and was really great in um uh falcon in the winter soldier so no i'm sorry definitely... anika is michaela coel's uh character. oh that's that's anika who was the other character then yeah i forget her name I, that's um, terrible but she is really great i really like that character what's her name uh ao ao yep yeah florence uh kasumba um she's the second in the command of the dormelage so it could be something you know around her um you know she's not like a a-list star so it would be just it would be easier to to, to put something around her just like how easy it was to, for to her to be in falcon and the winter soldier mm-hmm. um but I think that's what's going to happen. And then I, I think they're going to do a wait and see and, and kind of, yeah, I don't think we're seeing to see black Panther three until way after the, uh, the, the next, the next saga is over. Yeah. Um, I, I, and, and I agree. Figure it out. Um, yeah. I think that they've, uh, they've set themselves up in a very smart way. As much as we, you know, may get annoyed by the whole, you know, we've got options aspect of the ending it's it's kind of a, a smart way to do it because I think you can't paint yourself in a corner with this franchise anymore. Um, not saying that they're going to have another Chadwick Boseman level tragedy where they have to you know rework the entire franchise. But you know if Letitia Wright, a even if she is you know perfectly capable and Disney wants her, she may not want to come back. You know, like there there are a whole bunch of things, and they've got this. This uh, this parachute of young T'Challa that they can just pull a cord at any moment if they have to. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows what can happen with, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, this multiverse saga. Yeah, you know, that's what it's called, the multiverse saga. And shit, man, it, that gives you unlimited options. And we already kind of know that they're not afraid to pull any of those triggers. We haven't seen anything drastic yet, but. I think we will. I think uh, we will too. I think we definitely will. I mean, we already we already know of something that is going to be already sort of semi-drastic in that Deadpool 3 is with the Logan movie. Mm-hmm. And so we know that Logan is going to be Hugh Jackman and we know he's not going to be sticking around forever. So we know that they're going to probably have to redo him at some point, right? So uh, they will be doing some fairly drastic stuff along the way. And and maybe one of those potential ones was, is to, you know, who knows what they're going to do. The Guardians of the Galaxy are apparently ending, right? You know, yeah. but or this this iteration is at this least. Iterations. Yeah. But what if you, what if through the multiverse, you know, you have new iterations? What if you bring, you know, I don't are know. Are you saying Star-Lord T'Challa? Who knows? Who knows? I think you can do all kinds of, I, I don't, trust marvel enough to not do <laughs> some dumb kind of shit because i kind of think they already sort of have multiverse of madness has a lot of stuff from what if and yeah uh, yeah uh, even if they don't want to directly acknowledge it that it's not the same version or whatever that kind of bullshit uh you know i think i think i've always been very very wary of multiverse stuff and the kind of silly broad damage you can cause with it and i think that's very capable um and also just at the certain point um 
are all these going to people going to be playing these characters for the rest of their lives? It's like, do they want to give themselves a reset and recast new people? Like, I don't know, but certainly have the option. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's the multiverse thing is kind of a, it's a, it's an easy rewrite if you want it to be. And it's also something that can go incredibly awry and, and, you know, it can lose all impact. But I think in the, in the case of black Panther and what the future of this franchise is, I think what you're going to end up seeing is you're going to end up seeing Shuri as Black Panther when they need one now, um, whether that's in Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars or whatever. And then by the end of it, they can decide literally if they want Shuri to stick around or if they want to, you know, go to plan B. And if they do that, it's of all the multiversal things, this one isn't so bad, I think. Like the idea of having T'Challa's son take over, I think is kind of a, a great idea because it, it not only honors the legacy aspect of this character with, you know, the mantle passing generation and generation, but also it gives the fans, which I hate sometimes when they give fans what they want, but it gives the fans what they want, which is a lot of fans want T'Challa. Um, he's kind of the, as much as you can say, Shuri was Black Panther in the comics at a time and other people have T'Challa is Black Panther in a similar way as you know, Bruce Wayne is Batman and and Clark Kent is. I mean, I will say like, I will say that, you know, we, I mean, we did get, we did get him three times, but we were really robbed of, 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 of of this horrible tragedy that happened to him. We, you know, just losing Chadwick Boseman was, it's just really terrible. I think, you know, it's like, it's really sad. I, I remember I couldn't, I couldn't even fathom how, sad i became that day just because i just felt like wow like i feel like children and people and black people and and people who saw this great like he was just such a he was so perfect in that role he was so amazing and we got to see him in only one solo movie you know um so so i feel like the world was really robbed of that hero that that he uh typified so well but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I you, I think they've given themselves options and I don't think they've decided. And I think if you read that interview with uh, Ryan Coogler today, it sounds like he's not, he's certainly not going to make a Black Panther three anytime soon. And Kevin Feige really wants him to do the third one. He said that would be his preference for sure, is that I think the smart play is to just put that on the table and you don't need to revisit it till 2027 until after the multiverse saga is over. Yeah, that's crazy that we've got it all mapped out till 2026. But you're right. Like, we really don't need another Black Panther until 2027, which is interesting because Marvel has set themselves up that they have such a, they don't have to keep pace with their sequels anymore, which is kind of a great thing for them. They don't have to do every two years a new, uh, you know, a new Captain America. They can take breaks. And I think this is a great time for this franchise to to kind of pump the brakes. Let's let's spread out a bit. Let's do the whole Dormelage on Disney Plus. Let's maybe do uh, you know, uh an Mbaku series or something. You know, there are things you can do to keep the franchise alive, but also, you know, yeah. And and or the other thing too is which is can be interesting is if you do a, a, any kind of Wakanda series, you don't necessarily even have to do an Umbaku series, but he's the king, so you might see him in one. You might see him there. You might see you know uh, Akoye here and there. You don't have to center it around them, but it might be nice to them to show up here and there. You know, um, things like that. I, I think yeah. it gives them a lot of um, room to uh, do stuff like that, and they can also introduce new characters and. 
you know, it's a pretty rich world. And so I don't, I don't think they have to do anything with this now. We'll just see what, you know, also, I, again, like the, whatever happens at the end of this multiverse saga is really going to determine everything that's happening after it. And we don't know what that is yet. So it's going to, other than I think there is, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think there's just a, up until two, 2026, I think there's maybe only like two or three spots left for new movies. For I films, think. yeah. For films, yeah. Like I don't, I don't remember exactly, but I think all of two, 2025 is filled except for one date or two dates maybe. Mm-hmm. I think, therefore, I think 2026 has. I think they created one more, uh, one more date in between the two Avengers movies, but yeah, there's, there's obviously. And you got to assume that there's going to be a Spider-Man movie put in there somewhere, but yeah. Um, That's another one. Yeah, me. I know. <laughs> I feel like every four years we come back to this, like, Oh God, here we go again. But uh, regardless, I think I, I personally believe that they wanted Chadwick to be kind of the, the guy, you know, in much the same way that Tony Stark and our uh, Robert Downey Jr. And Chris Evans were the guys for, phases one through three i think they for sure i think they wanted chadwick to be the guy and he would have definitely led the mcu if it would have been him alongside with like captain marvel if like if uh if uh he would have lived for sure he would have been you know i think they're already seeming to like looking like they're building it around like people like captain marvel and stuff and he definitely would have been one of those people had it had it gone on yeah and for sure and and i think possibly you know that could have led to a little bit of the whole disjointed feeling of phase four where suddenly somebody like dr strange and wanda maximoff are, are your guys and you're like what like i don't know this isn't really working for me and ant man's now a big guy and and yeah so all that to say uh the multiverse saga is going to be very interesting to see where the chips fall at the end of it black panther is in a good place uh they've assured themselves of that and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where this franchise is going, which, uh, you know, if you would have talked to me before this movie, I would have been like, how are they going to continue? And now I'm like, let's, let's see. Do you have any last thoughts uh, about this movie? Anything we forgot to mention? I think we no, covered just about done, everything. We've done like an hour and a half on this. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're the only two people, people who can have listened to this all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think this is a movie that, that has, like we said, at the very beginning has a lot to discuss. Uh, and there are things we didn't discuss. Like Michaela Coel is barely in this movie and probably had a lot of her stuff cut and that's a bummer but space for her yeah and and you know there are there are other bits and pieces too but uh uh we barely talked about queen ramonda dying but yeah so uh regardless i think uh this movie is uh the best possible situation for for uh, the best possible end of a situation that was tragic and unexpected and could have really really gone terribly wrong and uh Ryan Coogler, man, I think he's, I, th- I think I told you this earlier today, I think he's the best filmmaker Marvel has in their stable. And uh, yeah, he, he really pulled the rabbit out of the hat for this one. So I'm, I'm yeah. pleased. So thanks, Rodrigo, for joining me and talking about Black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, we'll, we'll come back and we'll talk about other things, I'm sure, but it won't be good Marvel stuff because we got to temper this, you know, uh, our Disney checks haven't cleared for the next stuff. So Uh, we're we're unsure how we feel in the future but yeah we'll talk to you soon Uh